first of all, a bot is only as smart as what it's hooked up to, okay? And this whole self-learning thing, you saw it with, with Tay, which was that, that bot that got put out by, I think yeah, it was Microsoft. Microsoft yeah. And it basically became a fascist Hitler. Yeah. Because that's what it was fed. Fast. It was very fed, quickly, like, three like, days. Yeah. And and they pulled it because yeah, it, it wanted to kill you basically. <laughs> you know, it was not cool. But it's also they put it on Twitter, which yes. is probably the, the most worst fastest place. racist yes. place on the internet. <laughs> yes. So it's not 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 shocking that it learned that very yeah, quickly. Exactly. You are listening to One More Question, a podcast by Nicework, a branding and service design company. One of the things we do best is asking our clients the right questions. This podcast came about because we wanted to share some of the best answers that we've heard over the last 12 years. We talked to significant creators, experts, and communicators who we've encountered, and we share the useful insights, inspirations, and facts that made us stop and take notes as we go about our work. I'm your host, Ross Drakes. Hello, and today I'm talking to Nika Giros, who is a wonderful human being and the co-founder and director of Jersey Digital Design, Audio Militia, and GotBot AI Solutions. I first met Nick about 12 years ago when we shared a building in the media mill. Uh, we were both a little bit younger and a little bit skinnier, but now today we think we're a little bit smarter. We talk about the fact that AI is probably not going to destroy the entire world. In fact, there's some easy ways to use it in your business to add some value to your clients. We also talk about how you can take a side hustle and turn it into your company's secret weapon. There's a lot of great lessons and if you're interested in about challenging the market and, and bringing new ideas out, this is the one for you. Rad, well, thank you very much for joining us, Nick. Absolute pleasure, Ross. Um, you know, in the in the world of uh, technology, there's always failures. So this is our second attempt at recording yes. this. Um, so you were you were busy entertaining us with a story about how we met 12 years ago yeah, yeah, in this yeah. very building when you moved in Josie in next door to to Nice Work. Yes. So I think I think we were actually here. The way I remember it, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember we. We were here, we were downstairs, um, we had a, like a 25 little square meter office with blue down there. And, um, and I remember being here for a couple of months and hearing that new guys were, were coming in next door. And the one day I'm walking out and this little guy, Donovan Pugh, rocks up with crazy hair. He's like, hey, how's it? We're moving in, blah, blah, blah. And then I meet you and then I met uh, Ben Azol. And I think uh, at that time, also Egg Forms was upstairs. Yes. It was called Humanoid at that yes. point. Um, so we had Terence Neal, Greg Rahm, a whole bunch of the guys upstairs. And it was, we're all young and we're all just trying to make our dreams. Anything. Yeah, yeah. Anything come, and everything come, come, come we can now It was amazing. On. Yeah. So, I mean, you guys walked in, you're doing like amazing design and animation work. And then we had started the, the music studio. So there was already a little bit of like a kind of symbiosis there and also having humanoid upstairs. You know, it was just a great like little cluster almost of creativity, you know, because the rest of Office Park was kind of boring, wasn't yes. it? You know, we had Mail and Guardian here, didn't we? Yeah. And then we were skateboarding <laughs> yes. in the hallways and, and, and there's table tennis baby. upstairs. Yeah. Yeah, it was lovely. Uh, but I mean, now you're, you're all grown up um, yes. and you, you, you do things like. <laughs> no more table uh, tennis. No. <laughs> and uh, you guys can't see him, but he's actually here in a suit and a shirt and he's looking really, really neat. So, so things change. A little bit. A little bit. Um, I'd like to chat about GotBot, which is your machine learning yes. AI conversation bot thing. I'd love to understand a little bit about what it is and, and why it kind of 
why it came about. Okay, perfect. I'll tell you where we are now and I'll tell you possibly like the backstory of it. So what it does currently is it's a single platform that takes in multiple messaging services. So it can take in anything from WhatsApp, Facebook, Facebook Messenger, Twitter, um, SMS, uh, a feed from um, a web chat, in-app chats, anything, and it feeds it all into a single console. From that console, um, you can start seeing all the threads come in from all these messaging services. And from there, you can also start checking all the transcripts, what people are saying. And once you start understanding what people are asking for or frequently asked questions, uh, it's got a whole bunch of applications where you have sales funnels, lead generation tools built into it. But basically what you can do is on the dashboard with using no code, you can start building the automation to respond back to your clients. So it's a conversation automation tool for brands and their customers and staff. Now, do you think, um, you know, we kind of, we're in this world where everyone's talking about like content marketing and automation. And do you, do you think consumers are happy to kind of talk to, to robots and kind of get this almost auto generic service? Mm. Or, or do you think people still prefer to, to so, have a human interface? I think that's a really, really good question. Um, that was actually one of the biggest things we did. So our platform, initially ran off different modes. So we had a human mode, a human, a human um, bot mode, which was a hybrid mode, and then bot mode, which was completely automated. We've changed that a little bit, but to your point exactly is, we can automate a lot of the mundane, but we've got a, a seamless human handover. So when per someone does wanna to speak to a human, we hand it off seamlessly, and there you're speaking to someone. But what we're doing in that space is we're also augmenting the human experience from the brand side. So often they get asked questions and they don't know where to get the answers or what have you. And within the console, as you start writing, it starts actually suggesting a lot of responses okay. back to you as you've taught it and so on. And, and what we've also done um, to augment that experience is the platform is built as a RESTful API and what where we've had great success is the fact that we can plug into companies' existing legacy systems um, and fetch a lot of that information for you and pass it on to the client. So in terms of that, what we're actually doing is a lot of workflow automation as well because we're cutting out some of the legacy systems and just going back to, to one central data point or, or, or CMS or ERP system or whatever it is accessing that and passing all the ma all the information back through. And then you can take that and give it kind of a brand tone overhaul Absolutely. And, and push it out there with the right kind of words and oh, the right it. kind of feeling. That's it. So I'll give you the example of where we started. So um, there's a guy by the name of Dane Levenrad. He's got a company called The, uh, the Grind Coffee House in, uh, in Melrose. And he is actually, I'm going to call him the inventor of, um, it's called Coffee in a Cone. It's actually yes. a painted idea. It's also amazing. Yes, it's truly, <laughs> truly incredible. Yeah. So what happened with him is like people were just smashing him with with orders to his phone through SMS and WhatsApp and Facebook, all to his own account. And he was like, dude, I can't handle this. It's like all coming to my phone. I need to get back to people. Um, so we looked at this and we we're like, 
how could we automate all of this? And then we learned about natural, uh, natural language processing and machine learning and all of these components. And we actually ended up building a, a POS system for him where he could load all his coffees in and you could type into it and order whatever you wanted. It would post an invoice back to you and then you could pay for it all through messaging. And that's actually where we started. But to build that system took us over six months. And then we realized that most of our clients were going to want to build bespoke pieces of gear. And that's where we decided to build a system to be able to customize and build out any system you wanted in terms of automation. And that's that's, I'm going to loop back around to that just now. But uh, um, I want to ask you a question before that is, you know, when... When the singularity does happen and the machines rise up and destroy us all, how how much of a part do you think you would have played in that kind of teaching these robots what we want, what our needs and desires are, so yeah. they know how to hurt us the most, the fastest, in the most kind of brutal yes. way? Like, do you think you're going to have participated in that? Dude, it's such a it's such a weird, interesting kind of space because the way I see it. Um, I mean, they're saying we'll simulate the human brain by, by 2028. Um, we'll wait to see if that happens. Um, there are a couple of important factors here. Um, first of all, a bot is only as smart as what it's hooked up to. Okay. And this whole self-learning thing, you saw it with, with Tay, which was that, that bot that got put out by, I think yeah, it was Microsoft. Microsoft yeah. And it basically became a fascist Hitler. Yeah. Because that's what it was fixed. Fast. It was very quickly, like, it was three like, days. Yeah. And and they pulled it because yeah, it it wanted to kill you basically. <laughs> you know, it was not cool. But it's also they put it on Twitter, which yes. is probably the, the most worst fastest place. racist yes. place on the internet. <laughs> yes. So it's not 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 shocking that it learned that very yeah, quickly. Exactly. So so there's a couple of factors um in this. I don't th- I think it might happen, but the human brain does many, many, many things. That, um, that computers just can't. And one of the biggest things is EQ and sentiment. Um, and all of those things, uh, you grow up and it's a touch and feel kind of scenario, you know? So I see, I see where it's going. Back to your actual question is I don't know how much of a part we'll play. I think it's a massive organizations like the Googles and the IBMs, even though we use a Google back end. Um, these are the guys that will be feeding into these these algorithms because bots to me are just algorithms mm. that pick up on certain things and can then have a call and response. So I think when it does happen, and Elon Musk is an advocate <laughs> for this, he's warned against it. And I yeah. and I agree with him in so many uh, at so many points because it's an actual moral dilemma. Because you could train. I mean, think of this: you've got the general term AI, but you've got machine learning. Then you've got voice recognition. Mm. You've got facial recognition. Um, with just those four things, what you could do with it, you could launch an army of drones, pick out certain parameters in terms of someone's features, and you could have mass genocide, yeah. actually, if you think about it. Like wipe out all the Liverpool supporters exactly. in like one afternoon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> beautiful planet (laughs) i'm gonna get a lot of hate but but anyway but you get you get my point you know and that's where it it can be very scary because Mm. that can happen now well well then i mean let me ask you this question then um so so you've got this thing where do you think 
brands and communicators should be relying on these kind of automated Mm. tools and where do you think they shouldn't be? Because I think there yeah. is this natural tendency for people to try and apply this stuff to everything. everything. Be like, cool, we're not going to talk to anyone no. anymore. We're just going to let the computers do that. And we'll sit in our little offices and wait for the, the sales leads yeah. to come pouring in by the trillions. Yeah. So my view on it is it's all about augmenting the, the human experience and on both sides, again, from the brand and as a consumer. So what I would look at doing or where a lot of our use cases are, are, for instance, we work with a lot of clients that are massive call centers, okay? The call centers are being hammered, thousand seed call centers and about 60% of these calls are often only about six questions. So instead of you, Ross, being the call center agent and focusing on me, the client, that actually has a proper issue, what I'm doing is fielding all the mundane and all the repetitive tasks. It makes you unhappy and also irritates me because I need to sit on a phone call and need to go into different departments and so on. So if we could automate that work stream and that workflow and send people to a platform, to a simple chat service and give them whatever they're looking for, be it a statement or their interest rate um, or finding out where a closest dealership is or whatever, um, that's where you use it. We're also using it to to uh, um, for sales funnels, for instance, as well. We've had massive success on surveys as well. So we had a client that to do a thousand leads or a thousand surveys, they'd send quite a large like workforce art pen and paper. And it'd take them about 21 days from the point of interviewing everyone to digitizing it and putting it into an Excel spreadsheet or a CSV file or whatever form of digitization they were looking at. And we were able to do the same thing of two Facebook posts in eight hours. Uh-huh. So it went from 21 days to eight hours and it was more accurate as well. So there's definitely a space for it. Um, so where don't you think people should be trying to use it? I think on, on, on hyper, I'll give you, I don't know, I don't want to put anyone in hot water. Yet. I'm going <laughs> to be very, very careful of what I say here. Cause we've had a couple of scenarios where I'm like, no. So it's often there's, there's a point where there's been a failure or something, someone's been endangered. Now you want to feel all, feel all these calls when you've got tons of human emotion in it. Something's like happened. Something's brand, broken down. Brand or, failure. Yes. Like, do not use a bot there. It's not going to work. Like my dad always says to me, um, uh, is, is you've got to have cardia. It means you've got to have heart in business. Mm. And, and yes, automate things, but people buy from people still. Mm. Robots aren't buying, bots aren't buying my product. People buy my product. So there's a very, very important point there where there's a lot of, um, fielding of emotions and so on. You need to be very, very careful because customer experience is becoming increasingly important in this day and age. If you don't treat your client well and get back to them and get back to them with the right tone of voice or EQ or whatever it is, they're going to leave. Mm. I think there's also, you know, uh, the, the, we see, we're trying to shift our clients thinking around this stuff. When people are angry yes. or let down or you've messed something up, it's actually a great opportunity to communicate. It's a great opportunity to build a relationship Correct. because people don't really remember when everything goes well. It's like they remember when something goes really, really badly mm. and how you handle it. Like, do you exactly. come out of the gates? Do you fix all their problems? Do you talk to them through the whole process yeah. and you, you you shoot them out the other side of the, the, the stuff up 
um, with a smile on her face and everything Absolutely. that they kind of need, which is a very valuable we, thing. We saw it last night. I took my parents out for dinner. Okay, went to Mythos in uh, Rosebank. And my mom specifically likes her, her um, what is it called? Like a souvlaki done yeah. in a very, we're Greek, you know. So in a very specific way, not dry, not burnt, not murdered, you know. Yeah. It uh, needs to be succulent and like medium to rare kind of thing, you know. And she specifically says it every time. The guy brings it back and it's burnt, okay. My mom's like now upset because she specifically said how she wants it and she will send it back immediately. What does she do? She sends it back. The manager sees this immediately, comes in, realizes that me and my father have our meal and we all want to eat. What does he do? He quickly goes to the kitchen, gets my mom a little salad, little pita, a little meze and brings it to her so she can eat a little bit while they fix the mistake. Yeah. Okay. Fixes it, says he, he will oversee it himself. Okay. Brings it back, cooked perfectly. And then on top of it, he gave us a dessert, yeah. like little lukumadas. And how do you think I walked out of that? I walked out and said, mom, dad, that guy is an operator. Yeah. I will go back there every time. And you're sitting here on a podcast the day afterwards, like talking, talking about, about it, it, mentioning the brand, you know, you Because you they did such it. a good job. It's yeah. exactly what you said. There was a stuff up and he came through with flying colors. So, so yeah. if there was an iPad on your table and the chatbot then kicked in and started asking your mom how she felt, do you think that would have had the same? <laughs> it, it wouldn't have the desired effect, let me tell you. <laughs> um, so, so you, you know, you were talking a little bit around, you, you started Gotbot for a very specific reason mm. to solve like a very specific use case. Yes. And then you realized that people, other companies would want to solve very specific use cases. Mm. But you, you you kind of alluded to the fact that you took a step back and actually tried to build something a little bit more bigger and a little bit more universal that could solve all of those use cases, but you've almost like built one mm. one kind of product. Can you talk a little bit about that for us? Yeah, so basically what we did is when we built the, the, the product, it was like very siloed in terms of where you could use it. And what I did for six, for those six months while we developed Gotbot Get It, which is the social commerce product where you could order the coffee. I went to everyone I knew and I asked them, how would you like to interface? Um, first of all, with a, with a chatbot, what irritates you about it? You know, I went and asked like, why wouldn't you use it? Then I also went to a lot of the businesses we were dealing with and I asked them what their problems were. And I started seeing that there were a lot of overlap at points, but I started realizing that because initially what I want to do was templatize it. But we have three banks on our books. Do you think any of those banks talk in the same tone of voice? No. No, they weren't interested in templates. And that fascinated me as well because as a business, you know, we're always taught templatize as much as you can, blah, blah, blah. And three banks said completely different things to me. But I saw the root of the problem was often the same, but the way they communicated is completely different. And in taking all of that in, I used to go and sit with Chris, who's the technical director, and I used to tell him, like, this is what this person said, this is what this person said. And, um, and then when I went through, I got chosen to go through an accelerator. We basically got chosen as one of the top 10 startups on the African continent by a company called um, Startup Bootcamp, which is one of the big three accelerators uh, worldwide, basically. And they said to me, Nick, test all your assumptions. So I'd gone and done all of this. Then I took all of this information and they made me walk 
on the streets of Cape Town for three days. And I just went and asked people, would you get your statement of a Facebook uh, message? Would you um, want to get your interest rate on a WhatsApp message or whatever? I just had all these questions. And then I had to take a look at the parameters in terms of what people said back to me um, in terms of if my assumption is correct or not. And I could very, very, very quickly see what was happening. Um, elderly people didn't even know what Facebook was, did not trust it. Yeah. I mean, it's such a generational thing. Yes, yeah, it, is. it is. I would much rather deal with a chat bot yes. than sit on a phone exactly. on a phone. My father will immediately go to the phone yes. every time. In fact, in an ideal world, he would get in his car, drive to the office of the company and walk through the front door and talk to someone there. Like yes. that for him is his kind of ultimate yeah. interface. Yeah, that is it. So I suppose you need to figure you, out. You are 62% of the population right yeah. now, Ross. You, how many times do you get a call? And if you don't have the time, you put it down. Now think about how we were when we grew up in the, in the 80s and 90s, we didn't have that choice. We couldn't see who was calling us. So you just pick up the phone and say hello. Yeah. Now you're busy. Now everyone can get a hold of you at any point. Well, you also had the luxury of not being at home. So then when the yes. phone rang, you're like, well, I wasn't I'm at not home. There. Right? Exactly. <laughs> I was unable to physically be there to answer yeah. that call. So times have changed massively. And again, this is the reason we made what we made because there's a stat that says 52% or 51% of consumers right now are actually expecting brands and companies to be accessible 24-7. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. They work in companies themselves. They want to go home and sleep and spend time with their families. Yet, if they want to get a hold of any service provider, they are not afforded the same luxury. But is this not the, 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 the interesting space? So brands have had... The, the the lay of the land for a long time. Yes. So they've, they've been able to kind of own market share own the, the, the yeah. share of voice. If you've got a lot of money, you know, you're kind of your big Coca-Colas and SAB. They had a lot of money to, yeah. no matter where you went in the country, you would see something from Coke or from SAB. Mm. When you turned the television on, you would see the same thing. So almost they, they used that to their advantage. Um, but now we're in a space where people almost now that you've consumers got the power you're not even but it's like you've had that for a long time so now what i expect in return is kind of changing so i think our expectations were very low and they're kind of rising quite quite quickly um and as as, i suppose the, the difficult thing there is also at the same time those communication platforms are not as as ubiquitous as they used to be they are now way more fragmented and People are selecting so where they where they where they're putting their 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 energy and time and, and attention span. Correct. Um, so so I suppose it is an interesting space. But yeah. It feels like a, a result of where we've come from is where we now are. It'd be interesting to to see where we kind of head in mm. the in the future. Yeah, that is. It's a very. Um, Do you think we'll ever have consumer time. bots? So my consumer bot can interact with a brand bot. So Jeez. I won't even have a relationship you know, with a brand. We just let the two bots let, have a relationship let, let, with let each other. Let me tell you something, you know, like all, all of this PR comes out, like two bots can talk, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, guys, seriously, that's such spin. I could do that. You know what I mean? It's, it's commercially viable for us to do it. It's not that difficult. But what I have seen is I was invited by PMP Paribas to go over to, um, to VivaTech, which is the biggest technology um, platform or showcase conference in Europe. Um, I mean, everyone from the CEO of 
uh, Uber, CEO of IBM, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, like everyone was there doing talks. It was quite incredible that, that we actually got invited. And um, what we saw there was actual robots, physical robots with basic machine learning and AI and chat functionality built into them. So they have now built these concierge bots that will walk around banks and be able to point you to which teller you need to go to. And you can tap onto like an iPad that's built into their chest. Um, the, they've got AI that basically watches your eyes to see if you're focusing on it. Because if someone else talks, it, you know, it's, uh, it's obviously got recognition in terms of um, where the voice is coming from. So the, the microphone and so on is probably quite directional. So if it hears from somewhere else, it scans and goes, okay, the, the voice is coming from there, looks up to the eyes to now see if you're looking at it. So it knows who to interface with. It was so freaky. It was so weird. But you can see in time, like, you know, in the next five years, I reckon, yeah, you'll see a lot of these things, you know. But is it not also so bizarre? I mean, I guess what, what I'm hearing from you is you're saying that at the moment, ignoring all the hype and stuff, where you should be using like AI and chatbots is where there's kind of space for, for you know, like where the overlaps are. If people are asking the same question a thousand times yes. and they, they need a piece of information. Can you exactly. use AI to either answer that question when they ask it or even better, give them the information yeah. before they ask it? Because we know that you sign up generally a week after you sign up, you phone us and ask a question about how you get your bill. That's so exactly. we know that. So five days after you sign up, something messages you Ross, go, hey, think about, the, just think about the software that you use you know you design something okay now you need to output it you go to use something like zeppelin or whatever and it gives you multiple outputs so you don't need to reformat everything in the 60 different versions you need to hand over to the guy that's that's building your app it's just automated they're doing the exact same thing we are we've always lived in some form of automation even an ivr you phone someone um and that automated voice like someone that, I yeah, hate that thing but, on like a passionate fundamental level it's uh, yeah. there because someone was sitting on there fielding calls and then someone thought okay maybe we can record someone give people options and we can funnel them quicker it's been around a long time i just think this word ai and machine learning has just been blown like so out of proportion, although there are very like scary kind of things, things out there. I mean, we said it's Arnold Schwarzenegger's yeah, fault. Yeah, it's Arnie's fault. Uh, that could happen. Eh? I'm like, <laughs> really, it could happen one day. You know what they call sky? sky what was it? Skynet. Skynet. Yes. Skynet. Yes, Skynet. <laughs> um, uh, completely changing the direction yes. of all of this. Um, you know, we were talking a little about a bit before we started recording, um, and you were mentioning that you. You feel that you fall into Gen X, but um, mm. you, you sometimes think you're a millennial because you you have a side hustle. Um, yes, and and I'm interested to to chat a little bit about you know you, you've got many companies and there's kind of a thread that connects them all, but it's almost like Gotbot was grown inside another company and then has kind of become Correct. its own. It's almost mm. spun itself out. Can you can you talk about? The idea of using these side hustles as creating mm. your next venture, your next innovation. Yeah. Or so I'll, I'll t try and take it back to the beginning a little bit. So I started at a company. I did not start in Josie. So I started at a company. And um, at that business, 
Um, what happened about a year after we started, it was myself, Ross Garrett, who's a, who's a photographer, Chris Green, who's now the technical director and partner in, in Gotbot, and Craig Wells, who's, who's still at Enjosia as design director. So we start this little, little company and each of us as a design business and a year in each of us goes, well, I want to specialize in something. Mm. So we started building out slightly different units. So Ross was like, I'm going to become the best photographer. That was great. I was a musician. So I was like, well, I'm going to start this, an, an audio studio kind of thing, you know? And um, Chris and Craig were the only two that kind of stuck to what they do, even though Chris changed from a designer to actually a developer. I can't believe that guy's journey. It's insane. But so we, so we start there. And in Josie, fundamentally, is a service business. You know, for every hour we work, we charge an hourly rate and so on. And through that, um, basically grew the audio portion of it. And I ended up amalgamating that with a company I then bought, which was Audio Militia. And what I noticed there is that Audio Militia was a service business with a licensing model attached to it. So we could write a piece of music and then license it multiple times. And then I started thinking to myself that eventually I'd like to get to a point where I could flip that a little bit, where I could build an annuity business or licensing-based business but obviously with a servicing arm because you have to service whatever technology you have. So it went from a service business to a service um, licensing model to now a licensing annuity service business. So that was like basically the, the, the growth because yes. I started getting frustrated at certain points. And then when, when the music side of the business happened, um, I learned so much in terms of licensing and how it worked and, and about IP and publishing and like all the intricacies of it. And I could then take that and adapt it to something called soft, you know, software. So I was speaking to you earlier about it. So Josie has always built games and built pieces of tech. And we've sold these small pieces of tech to the likes of um, Standard Bank. We've sold to Absa. We've sold to Tracker. For instance, they've bought little pieces of tech, but I didn't realize the, the, the difference in building a small piece of tech, a game or whatever it was, compared to trying to build out a piece of software, a, te a technology solution. Mm. And man, it's been a journey, eh? Jeez, it's, it's really intense. And, and I'm learning so much more in this kind of technology space in terms of how it works. Um, you know, the different kind of models you can run, um, yeah, it's, it's been a massive learning curve for me. Eh? What I find quite interesting in all of this is this, this sort of traditional advice to, to companies is to sort of specialize yes. and to know what you're good at and, yes. and do that, which I think does work in, in some of the instances. But I think this is a case where there's almost a thread connecting everything together and the skills you've learned in one mm. place you're able to sort of carry them into a different industry or a different vertical and apply what you've learned here you apply it in the audio world and Correct. then you, now you're applying it so you 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 started in design then you moved into music then you started combining music and design yes. together to make kind of animation and games which taught technology which then has led Correct. to sort of got bots which is you know kind of now in mm. in in a different world but mm. they all kind of tie together in a very interesting way um and i think sometimes brands and companies lose sight of 
the strange, the strange things they've assembled together is actually what makes them unique. And if you kind of boil it back down to the, the, the simplest possible solution, it doesn't necessarily make something special or unique or different mm. to to the other things out there yeah. in the market. Yeah. I mean, and I've also, you also get the things, I mean, you, you've been through it as well. It's all about focus, focus, focus. So I get that a lot, even from some investors and so on. But um, I wanted to talk to this because I, I, I get asked a lot about focus actually. And like what I've realized I've done is been able to build something as like a course. I was intrinsically part of that, almost like a nucleus in a sense, but slowly being able to remove yourself and replace yourself with better people than what you, what you, you know, what you could do in mm. the business, you know, because you know, as being an entrepreneur, you're wearing like multiple hats. So for instance, in Josie, for its first time in like 10 years, has a, we've employed an actual MD. You know, we have an actual new business person. We have an actual ops director, you know, because I was doing so many things there. But you can't continue doing that. You're only one person. So build it to a point where you can put in like senior management that you trust, that that have a vision, their own vision for the business, which I, I love. I don't want to be um, at a point where you, you know, you own 100% of nothing. I'd rather own a smaller portion of something, let people grow into a business and let them drive it because I had a vision for that business for X amount of, of time and now new blood's coming into it and, and it's actually making me more excited because my MD's walked in and she's like, Nick, I'm going to do this, this, this. And it just, it fuels me and I go, great, because I've been thinking uh, of a more overarching strategy, you know, so that we can implement that. Like with Audio Militia, the same thing, you know, uh, look for a very long time to find very good senior management, even though I have I've two very, very good partners, but we needed a nucleus, someone that's operating and running the business so that I can concentrate on the sales or the vision or, you know, the strategy rather. And that's happened. And now with GotBots, I'm still in yes. it. I have to run it, you know, and I've got very capable people, but it's a completely different beast. And now you're learning there again, you know. So, so yeah, it's been a very interesting journey. Jeez, yeah. Um, so just to just to kind of close things out, I think you you had an interesting thought when we were chatting before this is the idea of kind of challenging the market's ideas. So challenging, you know, your own ideas, but also the kind of ideas of what the market is looking for. Um, yeah. Do you want to chat a little bit about about that and how? you know, potentially there's, there's thoughts around VC and investors and uh, how you should yeah. be approaching those sort of things mm. and products and how you should be taking it to market. I yeah. think it ties a little bit back mm. to this idea of do you focus or don't you focus? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I might hone down to GotBot for this. Yeah. Um, just you like mentioned the VCs and the angels and all that kind of stuff. So it's been very, very interesting taking a look at how people, number one, how they value your product, how they value your sector in that product. When they look at actual, uh, if they look at your target markets and then they bring it all the way down to your actual market, um, the way they value businesses now. Traditionally, South Africa sits in a, in a realm where it's, uh, your business is always valued on your, on your profits, you know, and a multiple thereof. Mm. Now, what I'm seeing is that GotBots being valued on on growth rate and market share and you, you know what I mean so it's it's like 
everything's bending and kind of warping in a weird way. I mean, you heard about some of these startups who raised a billion dollars. They don't have a single client. Mm. It's crazy. How do you how do you do that? It's a thumb suck. So it's been it very nice? weird for me to to go through this whole thing because traditionally I've got that brain on. I'm like, how much profit am I making? Because that's what my business is going to be valued at. Yeah. But the VCs don't see it like that. The, the angels don't see it like that. They look at growth rates. How quickly are you growing? But then you look, I mean, there are some companies that defy this. There's a MailChimp yes. um, that, that I think they crossed the, they have 150 million US dollars monthly recurring revenue. Yeah. They're a tech company based in, in Silicon Valley. Yes. And they have been growing, I think, now for 14 or 15 years. And yes. they've never taken a single dollar of, of money from anyone else. So yes. they still own 100% of their company. And they've built what they, you know, they've built the company that they want to have. But they've done it because they were like, we they've have to be profitable. We have yeah. to be profitable. We have to build something that people want. Yes. And the crazy thing is they've, they're doing that, that $150 million dollars is I think it's 80% or 85% of the users of MailChimp are doing it for free. Mm. So so they've given away something. So the majority of the people in the ecosystem are getting something for nothing, but there's enough value there for the last 15% mm. to actually sign on for these recurring yeah. kind of revenues. So it does challenge this idea of, yes. you know, I, I come up with a really good pitch deck, I show it to 30 people, I get a million dollars, I build... 10% of the way there, I then make another pitch deck, yes. I show it to other people, I can get $10 million and then kind of, you know, move towards this yeah. inevitable kind of yeah. either an IPO or a, a yes. sale to Google or whatever. It's a, it's become this like strange Very fantasy strange. land um, that, so, that people are existing in. So, I mean, currently, I'm every single one of my businesses is bootstrapped. I've never taken a cent, even Gotbot, even though Gotbot came out of... Uh, like in Josie and audio militia in a sense, um, just in terms of like the build and its birth. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, so we've bootstrapped it the whole way. Um, where we're finding it uh, slightly difficult is that we need to put out so much work and and the, the, the balancing act we've had to go with. I'll just, I'll slow my run rate, basically. I'll slow my growth rate if I don't take in capital. Um, which I don't want to do. So again, it's a very strategic kind of move. And I'm looking, I'm looking at a couple of scenarios. I'll tell you exactly where I am now. So I go, do I raise internally? Because I could raise internally with current shareholders. Okay. Then what you can do is go and look at, at raising in debt. Okay. So, so going to someone and raising through a loan and doing in debt and, and, and paying someone off. Then you can go to an angel. Okay, and get someone in to buy in because they believe in it. And, and you can do this in multiple ways. You can do it through a safe note, a convertible note. Um, then I can go to the VC and, and do it through a term sheet, you know, or I can grow organically. So now I'm looking at all of these and I'm trying to go like, which one do I choose or do I take three of them and smudge them? What's more important? Because all I know is like, I know what I've got on the cards. I need to grow. I need more people. But how do I raise the capital now to output what I've sold, basically? And we've sold some big projects, you know? And, and it's this whole thing about cash flow because you're a young... Okay, let me put it to you like this. Gotbot's platform, the custom care platform's only been out for 17 months. And we've signed like 
some of some massive banks we've signed a political party we've signed two massive car brands you know and now you need to deliver on this so you get stuck you know because the investors want to see the growth but i can't grow without delivering the work guys you know so it's very frustrating so by the end of this month i need to take a look at what is my plan to grow and i think i might do a smudge of of three of them you know raise internally look at, at taking a a loan at a smaller amount and getting a, a small cash injection from an angel or a VC or private equity firm, you know? And I suppose then your your challenge becomes, how do you hold on to that clarity of vision of the company? How do you, oh, you know, in that, in that thing, how do you have that clear vision and how do you head towards it? Because I think as soon as this money starts coming in and these different perceptions start coming Correct. in and different ideas start coming in how do you how do you hold true to that course that you sort I think of started it's, i think exactly like you ross i mean it's like when you choose a partner or anyone it's about clarity of vision and actually also not only that it's about a culture fit mm. does this person slide in with how ross drakes sees nice work and the vision for nice work it's exact same for me whoever comes in be it an investor i'm looking for smart money so i'm looking for guys that won't only give because man i could go and sell my car i could do tons of things could take money out of uh, my bond like tons of things you know um i could i could loan money from one of my other businesses which is another option you know um but the point is is if you bring someone in they've got to agree fundamentally to what my vision is in the business otherwise it's no good why is that I also the on? same for for customers? You're signing on customers, yes. and they almost need to buy yeah. into that same kind absolutely. of idea too, so that you're not absolutely they're buying into what you're kind of creating. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's an amazing thought to to end on. I, I just want to share share one last thing. I mean, you you said to me um, just before we started recording that no one cares. So you've got this kind of history, um, but no one actually cares <laughs> now that you've moved into a new market. Will you? Yes. Do you want to just kind of land that on people before we close this thing out? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we're chatting before this and, and what I was saying was, was you could go and achieve a whole bunch of, be awarded, you know, as, as a digital agency. And Josie got ranked as one of the top three agencies, you know, digital agencies on the continent. Um, Audio Militia won at, at Cannes last year, won a Grand Prix at Cannes with Ogilvy. Um, and now I moved into this machine learning kind of space no one cares about <laughs> what you did. Yeah. They look at it as a previous life, you know, and no one cares about that. And what I've also found fascinating, just tying back into like the VCs and so on, is like a lot of them, like what I figured, don't actually care what your track record's been. Because on paper, like my wife goes, Nick, on paper, you're exactly what people are looking for. You know, but the reality of it is could be quite different because they're judging you just based on your balance sheet or your growth rate now. They don't care what you've done over the past 10 years. But isn't that the same with consumers too? No one, yes. no one actually cares. They care no. enough. They care enough to to know that you can fulfill their needs and then they only care about their needs after like Absolutely. after that point so it's a very fine fine balance and I, and i personally find that quite liberating because i is. think 
a lot of the conversations that can happen when you're looking at kind of branding and communications is people get really caught up in making sure the exact word is right. Correct. The exact message goes out there and they have to hear all of these 15 points. But the reality is no one really cares. Like no one really cares. What they care about is can you fulfill my needs and can you fulfill them the moment that I need them. And if you can do that, then then you're in the game and, and you're great. So it's it's both a challenge and a, 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 a bit of a, a freak out moment at the same time. <laughs> yes, spot on. <laughs> awesome, dude. Well, thank you very much Thanks for so coming much, on the Ross. podcast. That was awesome. Um, and yeah, we'll catch you guys in the next one. Awesome. Thanks. Cheers. Thank you for listening. We believe sharing knowledge is an obligation. So if you know someone who would benefit from useful insights to stay relevant in the world of creativity, brand innovation, technology, and interacting in this new world, please share this podcast with them. On top of that, we welcome feedback, good or bad. So if you've got some, please reach out to us. One more question is brought to you by the people at NiceWork, a branding and service design company in Johannesburg, South Africa. If you would like to chat about the challenges you're facing, reach out at www.nicework.co.za. We release an episode every week, so please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're really old school, hit us up and we'll make you a mixtape.